When I moved to Nashville um, 10 years ago uh, to go to college, I remember um, stepping on campus and just meeting all these amazing people, making all these awesome new friends. And I remember one of my favorite things to do was to to call my mom and dad back home in Murray, Kentucky, and I would just tell them all about my friends. I'd tell them about Dave, I'd tell them about Lance, and Peanut, and Garner, and Luke, and Shelby, and Baker. I'd tell them about my friends, and it was so fun just to, to sit and to describe them to my parents, what my friends were like, and, and tell them about what they said and what they liked to do. There was just something about like me talking to my parents, telling them about these people that I had grown to love so much. But what I really loved is when my friends would come home with me for a weekend. And they get to sit across from table and have coffee with my dad. And that my mom would get to, to hear Lance tell a story. And she'd get to know what Dave's ugly face looked like. Like she'd just like <laughs> get to see my, my friends that I love so much. I don't think he has an ugly face, just for the record. Um, there's something about my parents experiencing my friends. I love this book, this book of Ephesians. It's a letter, actually, and to give you a little context, Paul is this just amazing Christian, this man of God, this follower of the Lord Jesus, and he finds himself in prison. He's sitting in this jail cell because of his faith, and that doesn't really resonate with us in America, right? But this was what happened. It happens all over our world, and it's still going on. So in the first century, Paul's sitting in this jail because of his faith, and he's sitting there shackled, hand and foot, and He's lonely, and it's so amazing because he thinks about this, this church that he planted. A group of people, like a group of men and women who love the Lord. He decides to write them this letter, and in the middle of this letter, he just burst out in this beautiful prayer. He writes this prayer down, and he, and he mails it to them. And this prayer is one of my favorite prayers in all the Bible. It's where we're going to be this morning. This is a prayer that, that Paul prays for these men and women that he loves so much where we're going to be this morning, starting in verse 14 of Ephesians 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner beings, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his great power that is at work within us. To God be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. There is so much good stuff in this prayer. We're going to just dig in. But before we do, I think it's so important for us to understand this. That Paul wants these people, he wants us to just understand that you and I were made to know God. Every single one of us in this entire world is made to, to experience, to know the living God. That you and I weren't just made so that we can know a bunch of facts and a bunch of stories about what God has done and what he's like. That, that you and I were made to, to, to know him. To interact with him. 
to recognize his voice, to serve him, to love him, to lay our entire lives down for his glory. And Paul looks at this church, a church that looks a lot like us, that had people in all different places in their spiritual journey with God. He knew that there were, were some people, just like so many of you, and your heart is just on fire for the Lord right now. You're in tune with the Holy Spirit. You're, you're living for the Lord. You've, you're, you're, you've tasted the goodness of God. And Paul looks at these people and he says, don't be tempted to slide back to think that life is about just having a bunch of facts. You are made to know God. There's another group of people in the church because this is the way that every church is, that, that there are people sitting here this morning, there are people who are sitting in Ephesus who, who knew a bunch about God but didn't know him. They knew all the stories, but they didn't have intimacy or relationship. There's another group of people in this church, just like there is in our church, that never experienced God. You don't know anything about him. And Paul looks at this beautiful, diverse body of gathered people, and he says, you are made to know God, to walk with him, to enjoy him. You gotta understand this before we jump into this prayer. Let's dig in to verses 14. It says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Have you ever gotten down on your knees and prayed to God for someone that you care about? There ever been someone in your life that just was going through such just hell on earth? And the only thing that you could do was to get on your knees before bed and just cry out to God. You ever cared about someone so much that it drove you to your knees in intercessory prayer? This is a picture of Paul, Ephesians 3. He's on his knees, and I love that what he prays. He says, I'm writing that the Father... The Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And this is, so in, this is so interesting and beautiful. This idea of family in the original language is any group that is derived from a single ancestor. That's what a family is. A group of people that comes from one. And this just simple but profound truth that I almost missed this week. That we are all here, not in, like, in this assembly, but we are on earth because of God. That he is to all of us, Father. That we are his, that we are here because he wanted us. And so my kids were at the nine o'clock service this morning, Finley and Jones. And I go the same way that, that Finley and Jones will always trace their lineage back to Courtney and I. No matter how old they get, how long they live, where they go or what they do, they will have always come from us. And Paul is wanting us to understand this beautiful truth that every person on earth, good and bad, black and white, male and female, on every continent, he made us. He wanted us. He wants us. Keeps going in verse 16. And I pray that out of his glorious riches out of all that he has, all that he is, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul says a whole lot here and it gets kind of wordy. 
kind of easy to miss the forest because uh, of the trees. And here's what he is essentially asking. Paul's on his knees and he's praying that the Holy Spirit will give these gathered body of people, give them power to understand that Christ has settled once and for all in their lives. So this word dwell in the original language, it means to to put down roots. It means to settle down, to stay permanently. And Paul's on his knees begging God in this prison, God, would you help the, the, the group of Christians that I care so much about, would you help them to know that Christ has established, he set up his home in their hearts and he's not going anywhere? You know, I think so often we tend to, to view God in our lives like a sojourner. That, that God is with us, that we don't have a hard time understanding that Christ is with us when we're, we're going to church and we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit and we're kind and we're serving and we're giving. We have a hard time understanding that Christ is with us when we find ourselves falling back into that same stupid sin that gripped us for five years. And Paul says, you've got to understand, for those of you who are Christians, the Holy Spirit of God will remind you that Jesus Christ is always with you. You know, so I think about the, the difference in my wife and my kids that Courtney, my wife, she will always dwell in my house because it's her house. She'll always have a key. She's always welcome. She's always wanted. In fact, there'll be no one else that is wanted more in that house than her. I'll want her there more than anyone else on the planet. And she will always be there. But my kids, on the other hand, at some point, I'm kicking them out. Like, I am making them leave. I'm serious. You think about the way that, 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 that friends and family, like they come to visit you from out of town and they stay in your house for a couple days and then they leave. And the picture I think so often that we have of God is that, that he comes to stay for a couple days and Paul is on his knees going, Holy Spirit, help these people see that Christ has set up his home in their hearts and he's not going anywhere. And when we understand this, that Jesus Christ is not going anywhere, when we understand that this is a follower of Jesus, that this is our situation, it changes us. So the reality that, that Jesus Christ, who has power over every sickness and over every disease and over every death, he is with us always. That Jesus Christ, who comforted Mary and Martha in John chapter 11 when they were on their knees mourning because their brother, who they loved so much, had just died That same Jesus who showed up and comforted Mary and Martha is with us to comfort us through all of life's pains and heartaches and struggles, but in such a deeper and more profound way than a friend would be. You know, I think about when my grandfather died almost 10 years ago. This this crazy moment where my friends, they they came down and they were at the funeral and there was something just about their presence being there. They drove two hours just to be there with me for 30 minutes. They could comfort me in that 20 minutes, but after they left, man, their comfort could not be there with me. But Jesus is different. Do you realize that, that Jesus comforts us when we sleep? He comforts us when we go to our jobs, when we go to school, when we're hanging out with our girlfriend, when we're spending time with our husband, when we're being with our kids. Christ dwells with us. The same Jesus Christ who was not deceived by Satan's words and his temptation, that same Jesus is with us. He is in us. 
so that we, not, we might not be deceived? And Paul's wanting us to understand that Jesus dwells with us forever. Jesus, not a philosophy or a historical figure or an idea, but Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God. And he says, I pray that the Holy Spirit would give you power so that you understand the whole, that, that Jesus dwells in your heart through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith, through faith. And I go, man, what is he talking about there? Let me try to explain it like this. In every earthly relationship that we have, there is trust, right? There's an element of belief, of faith. So you step into a relationship not really knowing everything about them, not really knowing how things are gonna end up, not really knowing if they're crazy, right? Like you don't know this in the front end. Step into a relationship not knowing if you're gonna get hurt, if your heart's gonna be broken. But you essentially are saying, I'm willing to, to trust you. I'm willing to put my faith in you, that you will care for me, that you will respect me, that you won't mistreat me or harm me. And faith is the starting line in a relationship. And it's the same thing with Christ, with Jesus. Paul says, if you want to know God, if you want to know Jesus, it just simply starts by trusting in him. By trusting in who he is and what he's like. And this is why the Bible is so important. The scriptures are so important for, for us who are trying to know God and walk with him because it gives us a rich history of what God has been doing, of what he is like from the very beginning. I encourage us all to read through the Bible. It's amazing what you discover about God, the, the God that is revealed from Genesis to Revelation, from, from one end to the other. That you see that this beautiful picture of God, that he is concerned with hurting and oppressed people and that he acts to bring about freedom. That from cover to cover, God is about forgiving sinful people, about taking the first step back into relationship. That God is in the business of providing for his people, protecting his people, fighting so that the people understand who he is. The Bible reveals a God who sent his own son, Jesus, so that we can know tangibly what he is like. He knows it's, under, it's hard for us to understand what God is like. He's invisible. He's eternal. He's immortal. Can we, any of us begin to get our minds around any of those things? And so the Father sent Jesus so that we could see what he's like in the flesh. That's why the Gospels are so important. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because we go, oh, that's how God treats sinful people. That's how God responds to people who are broken and hurting and suffering. Bible reveals this beautiful picture that, that God, our God, the only God, he's inviting every single one of us to trust him, to simply just trust that he is alive, to trust that he does love us, to trust that he will save us. And I was thinking about how beautiful this is, that, that God is not asking us to know him like a person knows their spouse after being married for 50 years. He's just inviting us to trust him enough to step into a relationship, to see for ourselves what he's really like. 
He's inviting us to trust that in every moment, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, even when it doesn't seem like it's true, he's inviting us to trust that Christ is with us. Paul, sitting in prison, says, I'm praying that you experience Christ. He's praying that, that, that we would experience Christ and his goodness in every moment, for Christ is always with us, and he keeps going in the second part of verse 17. He says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This word for love, it's the word agape. It's not the, the, the feeling that you have after watching some romantic comedy. This type of love is a sacrificial unconditional, unending, self-giving love. And he goes, is that how we love? Is that how Brandon loves? Do we love our spouses like that? Do we love our roommates like that? Do we love our professors like this? Do we love our bosses and our coworkers and the people who live right next door to us? Is our love for them unconditional and unending and self-giving? It kind of hit me this week. Man, that's not who I am. And what Paul is, is helping us understand that in order for this to be the type of love that we are grounded in, that, that other people experience through us, that we first have to swim in it ourselves, we first have to receive it. I read this beautiful commentary this week. This, this guy, much smarter than me, he, he basically said, this prayer at the core of what it is is not a petition that this little church would love Christ more. Like This prayer is not about Paul praying that, that you and I would love Christ more. No, the, the, the center of this prayer is that you and I would understand how much Christ loves us. Because I'm praying, I'm on my knees asking the Father to help you understand how dearly loved you are because of Jesus. Why do I tell my little girl, Finley, over and over and over and several times a day how much I love her? Why do I kiss her? Why do I want her to sit in my lap and watch that same stupid Mickey Mouse episode for the hundredth time? Because I want her to know that my heart loves her. I don't ever want her to, to, to have a day where she goes, man, I wonder if dad loves me. I want her to know that I would do anything for her, that my heart is hers, that I am her father, that I wanted her. says, I'm praying that you know how wide and long, high and deep. And I go, man, what is Paul doing with that language? And this week, I just kept thinking about wide and long. I just kept thinking about the cross where Jesus was spread out wide and they put two nails in each of his hands. They spread them out long ways and put a nail through his feet. You want to know the, the width and the length of the love of God? Look at the cross. 
You want to know how high and deep his love is for us? I just kept thinking about what he left, what he stepped out of, heaven. And how far he stepped down. How deep he was willing to step into in order to save us. I love what Josh Solway read last weekend, birthday Sunday. He read this passage from Romans chapter 6. It says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And so it's this reality that what we earn, every one of us, what we earn when we sin is death. It's not that God is just upset with us. It's not that he's just frustrated. When we sin, relationship is forever broken. Separation happens. But the second part of that verse is so redemptive and beautiful. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the free gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The width and the depth and the height the length of Jesus' love for us. Where he took our place on the cross. He died our death. The real wrath that was stirred in the heart of God over our sin was fully satisfied on Jesus Christ's body. That every lie, every selfish act, every bit of murder, every bit of adultery, every lustful thought, every bit of hate and violence and gossip and jealousy, Jesus Christ died for them all. And Paul is wanting us to understand just how much Jesus has done for us. Just how much he loves us. And so I remember when, when Finley was only a couple months old. Sorry I have so many Finley analogies this morning. <laughs> She's a couple months old and Courtney and I had been up for the third or fourth time in the middle of the night. We could not get this girl to quit pooping and crying and we, like nothing was satisfying her. We were bouncing with her every way we knew how. We put new diapers, like we did everything, sang every song and nothing was working. And it just hit me one, one, one night in the middle of this chaos that this is what my parents had done for me. That Steve and Denise, like 30 years ago, were doing the same thing for, for Brandon. And up until this point, I'd never even noticed it. I never even, it wasn't even on my radar. All those sleepless nights, all the money spent on diapers, all the time spent trying to soothe. And Paul is going, man, if, if you've never understood this, if you've never seen this, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's inviting us to, to look at Jesus and what he has done for us. He's not inviting us to, to, to beat ourselves up over the sin and the rebellion over the past couple of weeks or past couple of months or past couple of years. He's inviting us to, to look at Jesus. To see the one who came down to, to, to the earth and who died. So you and I could be forgiven. So you and I could know and experience God. God is holy. In order for God to be able to be in relationship with people, they had to be holy. And so Christ died to make us acceptable and holy. That right now we are blameless in Jesus. That, that right now we are forgiven because of Jesus. That right now we have no fear of death or separation because of Jesus Christ. And Paul is going, man, I know that it's so easy to, to, to take your eyes off of this, to not believe this. I know it's so easy for your faith to be shaken. And so he just says, man, this is what the Holy Spirit does. 
And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, which is inside of you, reminds you that because of Jesus, you will be with God forever and ever and ever. Paul keeps praying the prayer in verse 19. He says, praying that you know the height and depth and width and length of the love of God and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. The word know here means to experience, to encounter. Jesus and his love for us, they were never supposed to be something that we just gathered here on Sunday mornings and talked about. Jesus and his love were never supposed to be something that were just limited to our house churches where we gather on Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday night, whenever you gather and talk about the love of God and talk about Jesus theoretically. No, the love of God and the person Jesus Christ was something that you and I were meant to encounter personally. Now, this means for you, Mary, like, you were made to know Jesus. Like, he created you, he wanted you, he put you here. Jordan, he, he put you here so that you would know him. So you could pray and you'd have confidence that when you pray, he heard you. You had confidence that one day he was gonna come back and save you. I go, this is what happens when we are in Christ. This is what he longs for. For his kids to know him. For his creation to love him. For his creation to talk to him and to respond to him and to trust him. And when this happens, second part of verse 19, he says, and you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And go, man, what in the world does he mean? What is he talking about? And I think what he's saying is that when you and I understand how much Jesus loves us, that is what God wants of us. You see, there's something about knowing and understanding and experiencing Jesus that changes us. It just does. And I'm convinced that the more we understand his love for us, the more we will love God. The more we will follow Jesus, the more that we will love other people. The more that we fix our eyes on the cross and what Jesus has done for us, the more we will become like Jesus. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, For we who all reflect or contemplate or think about the Lord's glory, who think about Jesus, we are being transformed into his image right now with ever-increasing glory. That those of us who set our minds to think about the cross and Jesus and his greatness and his glory and his return, that there's something about fixing our eyes on him where we actually become more like Christ. This is where I want to end this morning. If you are not a follower of Jesus, will you trust in him? Will you receive his love for you? You know, if I never came home to court, if I just slept up in my office every night, if I never sat by her on the couch, if we slept in two different beds, if I never met her at the dinner table at night, if I never put myself in a place to receive her love, I would miss it. And I'm so thankful that there are 
some of you here this morning that don't believe in Jesus, and I just want to encourage you, man, keep coming. And if it's not here, go somewhere else. Man, keep putting yourself in a body of believers where the word of God is, is proclaimed and where worship happens and the body of Christ is broken over communion. Put yourself in a community. Keep pushing yourself. Get in a house church. Get around people who love the Lord and who can love you and who can help you through your questions. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I wanna just, I wanna invite you this week. I just wanna invite you to pray this prayer. You can take a mental note. You can go back and listen to the podcast. You don't have to write it down. I don't wanna draw attention to you if you're not a Christian. I encourage you to pray this prayer this week. God, would you help me know how much you love me? God, would you help me to know how much you love me? God, would you help me to know how much you love me? Right before I got up, I just was just moved deep in my spirit because I realized I'm going to ask this question. And if you will legitimately ask it and search for God, you will find him. Jesus promises us this. Book of Matthew, if you seek me, you will find me. I just encourage you to pray this prayer. God, help me to know that you love me. Help me to know how much you love me. If you are a follower of Jesus, I want to give you two things. I want to give you a question to go to communion with this morning. And then I want to give us some homework to practice this week. The question that I want to send you to communion with is this. You can write this down or put it in your phone. Are you living by faith with Jesus? Are you living by faith with Jesus? Are you living by faith with Jesus? And so as you take communion, I encourage you to circle up your chairs or to spread out in the, the room. Go find a corner and, and get with your family or your friends or turn your chairs and just and talk. Have the courage to ask this question. Are you walking by faith? And some of you, you're going to realize that you haven't been, that you've been so discouraged. You've taken your eyes. You've forgotten. And man, get your, your friends, your family to put their hands on you and to pray for you. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. Some of you realize that, that you haven't been living with Jesus, that you've been ignoring him and telling him no. And confess that. Let's let the blood of Jesus that was spilled for sinners be good for us. The homework for this week. I want to invite you to pray this prayer for your friends that don't know Jesus. I want to invite you to pray this prayer for, for your friends, your family members that do not know Jesus. To pray that, that God would dwell in your, your best friend's heart. That God would give them faith. Pray that, that, that God would, would help your aunt come to know his love. Pray that God would help your neighbor to live a life that pleases God. I encourage you to have the courage to, to pray this this week. To get on your knees before the Lord. And then we'll live in the confidence of the way Paul ends his prayer. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his great power that is at work within us. To him be all the glory forever and ever in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. Let's pray.
Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We, we need you. We want you, God, in the places that we need more trust in our lives. Help us to trust. God, would you help our hearts to, to love all people like you do? And that our lives will burn for your glory as we just lay our lives down so that people who don't know you can come to know you. Thank you for giving us an example, Jesus, for showing us that the best life is one that gives of yourself for the glory of God. Give us the courage to follow. Soften hearts, forgive our sin. Show us Jesus this morning. In your name we pray, amen.